everyone, and welcome to Speakerman Speaks Retail with me, Carol Speakerman. I help companies get credit for the great stuff they already do and land bigger deals in their retail B2B businesses. My podcast is all about bringing retail thought leadership across categories, borders, business models, and touch points through my latest retail trajectories and interviews with experts who help us chart the course to what's next. We're in the second installment of my People-Powered Retail series, and my guest today absolutely radiates people power. When we first met, I was immediately drawn in by her curiosity, positivity, and love of conversation, traits that are all too rare these days. And as I learned more about her journey, it all made sense. Roz Johnson is the SVP and Chief People Officer at Build-A-Bear Workshop. It's a fitting title for sure, but it also represents the culmination of a career spent listening and encouraging people to be their very best. And she's done it for recognized retailers like American Eagle and Gap. Roz's years of store-level experience instilled a deep respect for how people make a difference in retail every single day. Now she's expanding that mission across Build-A-Bear's growing platform. Hi, Roz. Thank you for joining me today. It's so great to have you on the show. Hi, Carol. It's great to be here. I've had a few conversations with you. We were both at an event recently, and you just have a real knack, I think, for articulating some of these bigger ideas in very easy-to-understand ways. One of the many jewels that I've heard you share is people before things. So, Roz, what does that mean to you, and how does it impact your approach to your role? I appreciate you asking that, and I think it's a great way for us to start because I think of a pyramid. Like, in my mind, I see a pyramid. I think very often we focus on the results, which to me is the top of that pyramid. But the base of that pyramid is people. It's people and talent. And what's between are tactics and strategies. We get hung up on the tactics and strategies, the things we think we need to do to deliver the results. But we have to be mindful of the fact, and I'm always mindful of the fact, that it takes people to execute them. Because if you don't put value in the people, investing, training, developing, then your tactics and strategies become words. So it's sort of literal, really, people before things. In other words, they have to be the priority, and then you can get to the things. Absolutely. You know, I was in a conversation recently with someone, and we were talking about leadership development and training, and they were saying that their company was having tough business right now, and the thing they cut was leadership development. And I remember that early in my career, I worked for someone, and this is where I learned people before things. He said, when you cut the development of your people, you get short-term gain for long-term pain. Because when your business turns around, and in this business, things are cyclical, you're going to need those people. And think about people who really hone their skills and know that you invested in them even when things were tough. And now they're suddenly like battle tested, they're ready, they're invested, which I think is fantastic. And I think they take those skills with them wherever they go, whether it's upwards in your organization or laterally in your organization, or if they find themselves moving to another company or another career. Prior to becoming the chief people officer at Build-A-Bear, you were steeped in store operations. And I know from our conversations that you still love going out in stores and interacting with associates. So what are some of the most valuable insights that you've learned from store associates that you've taken with you as your role expanded and as you've gone to HQ? For me, Carol, there are three things that I've taken away and that I'm mindful of. I always remember who I serve. That's why I enjoy going out to stores because 
I get to see the expression of our brand, how our associates engage with guests. And it always makes me think about whether or not we're serving them in the appropriate way. Do they have what they need to do what we expect them to do? And they are closest to our guests, which is what we call our customers. The second thing is I learned the power of the question. And I ask questions on my visits and I I have to preface it because often I'm talking to the people who are doing the job. I'm not just talking to the managers. I'm talking to sales associates or our beer builders. I'm talking to people who might work in our back room and other functions that are non-management. And sometimes it's a little just intimidating. Not that I think I'm a physically intimidating person, but it's the position And I'm corporate to them. And I just say, you know, first of all, I want to get to know you. And secondly, I'm only asking questions to gain insight and to learn from you. I have no ulterior motives and there are no trick questions. And the third thing is recognition. I think it is really important to understand what's working and who's responsible for that. I think the recognition of what's working is important and the recognition of who's doing the work is important. And it's rare that I have gone into a store and not found anything that I could recognize that they're doing well. And one of the questions that I ask associates, and it goes back to that feedback, before I leave, I always say, what is one thing that we do that every time you hear that you have to do it, you think, why do they do that? It makes no sense. And it's amazing what you hear because we produce what we believe the teams need. And we, on the store operation side, I have to say we have a great team and they partner with the store associates to make sure to test and pilot things before they send it out and to make sure it's written directions or information is written in a store language, which is a Build-A-Bear-friendly store language. But I always ask, what is that one thing? What is that thing that if you were in charge, you could change? Let me ask you this. How many times do they only give you one thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the response usually goes, hmm, where do I start? And then it snowballs. But what I would also say to that is that many of our best ideas or our best plays and practices come from the store teams. Members of my team are also responsible for our associate experience. We have an internal recognition system. And if you don't send out a message to someone, to recognize someone somewhere in the company during the week, by the as you get to the end of the week, you get a little reminder, you haven't sent anyone recognition this week. I love that approach, this recognition-based approach, looking for excuses, not to find fault, but to reward folks and call out the good things that they're doing. Right. That's great. Well, I've been saying that one of the mantras and Detail right now is in the newly created role of. In fact, you can do a Google search on that and it's really fun what comes up. But these cookie cutter retail structures of the past are starting to crumble and each retailer's organization seems to be terminally unique. They're creating all kinds of new roles. And you're a great example of that being Build-A-Bear's first chief people officer. So how did you approach getting your arms around such a sweeping mission with so many stakeholders? I mean, we're talking about the stores and headquarters and operations and not to mention your partner relationships. 
First, I would say this was a pivot for me. This was a career pivot. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And I said yes before I could find a reason to say no to doing <laughs> this. Um, <laughs> but for me, it all it goes back to the questions. And I felt like I was on a fact-finding mission. I knew the HR team as my partners because leading a field organization with over 3,500 associates and field leaders, there's a need to have a really strong business relationship and partnership with human resources. And coming into the role, there were the things I wanted to be clear on. Number one is a clarity of expectations and priorities. And what is HR's role and what is the role of the chief people officer as it relates to our business strategy? And the second thing is I wanted to understand what's working. What's working and what are the opportunities? And that could be an opportunity to do something better or to take something that's already good and make it great. The third thing is I needed to understand the team, who they were, what was their understanding of the business and their role in driving and delivering on the organization strategies. Are they clear on who they serve? And then the question I asked each of them was, what's your why? What's your why? Why do you do what you do? In a world or a function where things are often very black and white and meetings are often information-driven, I was asking them a different question. What's your why? And I said, you don't have to answer me right away, but I would challenge you to think about that. What is the reason? What is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning when you know you have a busy day or a tough day or you have to face something that's really challenging and maybe unpleasant? What's your why? Or at the end of a hard day, like how do you close out your day and think, okay, I can do this. How do you find a win? What's your why? Were the answers that you received did any of them repeat or were they all just completely unique? They all were unique. What was common is that they really had to think about it. <laughs> they really had to think about it. Well, nobody had probably bothered to ask that before. Right. And I think it happens when we just kind of get up and do what we do because it's what we've always done. And on my team, I have a lot of tenure, a lot of longevity, either at Build-A-Bear or in the HR function. And I just, it was, again, no hidden agendas, no trick questions, just something to answer for them to answer for themselves. And, you know, they started to share in our individual touch bases, our one-on-one -on -one conversations, which is really great. And I said, I could share my why, why I do what I do. First, you know, I love what I do. I love people. I do what I do because I'm always growing, learning. It's one of my strengths. I love meeting people, talking to people. And I love doing work that makes a difference. And I get to do that every day in this company. That's great. I love you sharing your why because one thing I noticed about you right away is that you really believe in the lost art of conversation, which is near and dear to my heart. And that's just such a great trait to have. And I do think it's becoming a lost art. But I'll ask you, when you talk about HR roles, in my experience, and I think you and I have talked about this too, a lot of times they seem to be siloed or set apart. It's like, oh, there's all these other functions. Oh, and then there's HR over there. What do you think are the best practices for integrating HR into other functional areas and into all of the corporate initiatives that may not seem to be related? How do you approach that? You know, I think that it's easy when you're a specialist, and I don't think this is exclusive to HR. I think that in a headquarters position, you're a specialist. 
you are focused on a function. I came in as a generalist because as a generalist, I'm always on the store operations side. Even in a store operations headquarters position, had to en- I had to engage with all parts of the business, finance, human resources, merchandising, marketing, e-commerce, everything. So I continued that when I stepped into this role. I think that it's easy for HR teams to become isolated and siloed because they're viewed as a necessary function and not as business partners. So getting to that why and making sure the team understood the value of what we do as a team and how it supports the business objectives was a huge unlock for the team. So, and I don't think it happens with any ill intent. I think so much of the work is compliance related. It's about policy and there are deadlines and things that always have to be done by a certain time and very often a certain way. And again, I found myself asking questions. So when faced with something, I said, all right, is it policy or is it practice? Do we have to do it because the law says we have to do it? Or is it just something that has evolved over time? Let's think about what we do and how we do it and never stop asking the question. Because coming into this role, Carol, when I met with the team for the first time, one person had the courage to say, in essence, why you? You're not an HR person. Yeah, because it is a specialty. It is. And I said, but I'm a people leader and I've led huge teams. And I understand the value in that. And my role is to make sure that we not only support the business objectives, but that we also keep the human and human resources. Well, I love the point too, when you were talking about policy versus practice, because obviously the policy piece is pretty fixed and non-negotiable. But on that practice side, when you separate it out that way, you know that practice side is where you have the latitude and you can take all of that great input that you're so actively seeking and do something about it. Absolutely. I mean, I felt like I was an archaeologist on a dig. I'm just digging (laughs) and digging and digging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because often things become enshrined in an organization. And when you ask, well, why do we do this this way? There may not be anybody around who was there when it became practice. So now we get to go on this dig together. (laughs) I love that. To find out and figure out and to figure out if it's still relevant. And that goes for how we do things. It goes to the tools we use and the things that we require of others. And I think we're obligated to ask ourselves, does what we're doing this way still serve the needs? I don't spend time questioning a decision that was made in the past or a practice that was put in place in the past. There's no value in that. But I will ask, okay, so what was it meant to do? And does it still serve it? And is it still a need? Or now with technology, is there another way to get the information or to get this done? I like that point that the need may not change, but the way of meeting the need may need to change. Absolutely. The other thing I would say in terms of not allowing myself personally to get isolated because there is a lot to do. There is always, and I'm a member of the leadership team. So I still get our business reports daily, weekly, monthly, the same reports I got when I was on the store operations side. I get those reports. I attend the business meetings. I attend product meetings. And it's, I gain so much from them because I get to know what's happening in the business. I also get to see leaders in action. So when we're talking about our people, I can have that perspective. I can at least share my perspective and maybe give some feedback or some 
tools to their manager on some things they might be able to do to coach and help them because now I've seen them. I've seen the behavior. I see how they present and it's invaluable. We can talk about, we can read a review, but it's something about seeing someone do the job that they're hired to do. That makes a difference for me. Yeah, and you're being intentional about integration because it would be so easy, I think, on the policy side to say, I'm just so bogged down in this that, you know, it would be easy to rationalize just kind of backing off of all of those opportunities to integrate with other functions. But you're seizing the day and setting a standard for doing that proactively. I think that's just awesome. Well, retail has become super competitive on the labor front. Retailers are having a hard time keeping those bodies rolling through for store functions, not to mention the way the talent bar has been raised at HQ now that technology is becoming so prominent. So how do you see the recruiting and talent acquisition piece of that? What do you think are some of the best practices there? And especially as we roll into the holiday season, which is always a surge period, and I have to believe that it's definitely one for you guys. Those who view recruiting not as an event, but as a process and are always networking, connecting, those are the individuals who win when it comes to attracting talent. You mentioned that you and I met. Well, you and I met at a conference and we sat at a table together. And and I do, I'd love to talk. I'd love to get in people's heads. And I think there was some of that going on in discussions that were happening around the table. But as a result, we're sitting here today. I met so many people and have made so many connections coming out of a conference around technology. What an opportunity as we shared our LinkedIn profiles, as we talked to one another and realized maybe we had some common connections. But I think of attracting talent as always being on the lookout because you never know. And even as a store manager, a young store manager, and then as, you know, as a district manager, it's always, oh, that customer loves us and is in here all the time. Hey, have you thought about working for us this holiday season? Or understanding that you may have the number of people that you need, but do can they work when you need them to be available? I think is really important in understanding what your true needs are. The other thing is I do believe that over the past few years, Potential employees and current employees have developed a different relationship with work and their employers. And so I don't think about us competing in a retail space. I think about us competing in just a big hiring space. Which is really the reality because retail has become such a big umbrella and is moving into and blurring into other areas and other industries. You have to cast a wide net. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, in the retail space, we are an experiential retailer. So we're not the place where you come if you want to not have to talk to people, if you don't like people, if you just, if you know, if you just want to do physical tasks. Like we are, we like people who like people. We like people who like, and not just children, but who like engaging with people who can be conversational, who are comfortable in that environment. You know, when the gate goes up or the door opens every day in in a workshop, it's like a show. And there's so much joy there. And every day you get to make a memorable experience for someone. And I, I think it's just really cool. Well, thinking about that, and how important brand experience is in the whole equation. You've worked for some, for some really big recognized brands like Gap and American Eagle, and now, of course, Build-A-Bear. 
So in your experience, Ross, what does it take for companies to create a culture where employees become true brand ambassadors? Or is that even possible these days? <laughs> I would tell you as I sit here today, it is absolutely possible, Carol. As you said, I've worked for some great brands and we often think about our customers as being our raving fans. I think we're obligated to create those raving fans internally. Here at Build-A-Bear, we have associates, like we have a chief workshop manager, which is what we call our store managers, who just celebrated her 25th anniversary with this brand. We have people in our headquarters, or our bear quarters, as we call it, that who celebrated milestone anniversaries in this brand. And again, people who could work anywhere, but they choose to stay here. And I think it's because they feel valued. They have input. They feel like they have a voice. We've had multiple years of being on the Fortune, you know, one, the best places to work list. We are doing an employee engagement survey right now because we want to know coming out of this challenging time period, what our people think and what they need, what they think about their roles, what they think about the organization, what they think about us as leaders. Like we're asking those questions and it's anonymous. And, you know, out of that, our commitment was that we would share the results and we would look at not only what our opportunities are, but what's working as well. And how do we amplify what's working and how do we put a plan together to focus on places where we have opportunity? So they feel heard. And as a outcropping of that, they feel more connected to the brand. And then that translates into customer experience. Absolutely. And we're not perfect by any means, but, you know, I think they're acknowledging when you have an opportunity is important, not operating with blinders on or not closing your ears. And it goes back to where we started, which is the power of the question and just asking. Well, and the power of people, which is what this series is all about. And I really am so glad that you're contributing to it because you are a people person. And as cliche as that sounds, it's becoming rare, <laughs> but it's rare and wonderful. So when you think about the future of people-powered retail, what are you the most excited about? Wow. You know, I think that there's an evolution. I think that there's so much change. Like, if you ever want to be in a place where change is the norm, work in retail. And I think that there, there will be jobs, you know, a year, five years from now that don't even exist today. And I think that as companies grow, they may find themselves in a position where they have more opportunity than they have people to take advantage of it, which goes back to that value of training and developing people. And I think regardless of your role in an organization, in terms of your functional responsibilities, as a leader, if you are a leader, then I believe in my heart that your primary responsibility is to develop future leaders. And that I think is really key. That is really key because as organizations evolve and grow, we as leaders may move on to the next thing. So who's behind us? And who's their successor? So I think we have to always be thinking about that. That's great. That's really great. Well, I end every interview with one question that I'll pose to you, Roz. What's next? I honestly could say, I don't know. There's this image that I saw and someone posted on Instagram and I saved it to my phone as my screensaver. And it says, always believe that something wonderful is about to happen. And I approach every day that way. I don't know. And I'm not, you know, I describe myself often as a silver lining kind of person. I don't wear rose colored glasses, 
But I think that even when you kind of are knocked back, okay, so what did I learn? Like, I might not want to do that again. And now I know I can keep somebody from making the same mistake. But how do we just like, how do I pick myself up and dust myself off and get going again? But I always... I used to envy people, Carol, who always knew what they wanted to do, like this one singular thing, and they were always on this path. And I would say, I don't know. I'm kind of checking out everything. I'm wandering around. Oh, that looks interesting. Let me learn about that. And I think it's the thing that led me to where I am today. And I think it has served me throughout my career because unexpected opportunities have come my way. And I had to just be brave enough to say, okay. I might not have thought that I could do this, but clearly someone thinks that I do. And I'm going to trust this person. I love that. And I will say that anytime I've seen you around other folks who work for Build-A-Bear, they're always singing your praises and saying, you know, our wonderful Roz and Roz is making this happen. So I knew I just had to have you on the show because your positivity and your curiosity are infectious. And I think they just set such a great example on the people powered side of retail. So thank you so much for joining me today, Roz. Oh, you're welcome, Carol. This was such a pleasure. A great part of my day. Build-A-Bear is always doing something new and exciting, and of course, it's an amazing place to visit in the run-up to the holidays. Online, you can check them out at buildabear.com. You'll find Roz on LinkedIn, Roz Johnson. Stay tuned for the next episode in my People-Powered Retail series. In the meantime, follow me on LinkedIn for updates on upcoming events and other happenings. Ping me anytime at carol at speakermanretail.com or hit my site at speakermanretail.com for more retail insights and to subscribe to my updates. And if you like what you're hearing, please do like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time.